everybody. Good morning. This is Heidi St. John. Today is Friday, June 18th. And today I am really glad to welcome the second day to the podcast, my friend Linda Hobar. We're going to finish our discussion on socialism and why we need to be teaching our children about the dangers of it and educating ourselves. Also, I have a really exciting announcement. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. guys know by now that I am running for the House of Representatives representing Washington State's 3rd Congressional District. Listen, my voice in the United States Congress is a voice for the nation. And so if you're interested in helping me get to Congress, we have a massive fundraising deadline. It's coming up on June 30th. Please donate. You can become a volunteer as part of our local team. Or if you're located in different parts of the country, you can volunteer as a prayer warrior or you can volunteer to just help us out financially We need those contributions. Again, a big fundraising deadline coming up on June 30th. You guys can find out more information and you can get involved at HeidiStJohnForCongress.com. This ad was paid for by friends of Heidi St. John. So I guess by now a lot of you guys have heard the news. I met with President Trump on Wednesday. That's right. I met with the former president on Wednesday just a couple of days ago for about an hour talking about my run for Congress. I was privileged to have a private meeting with him and his secretary, and I'm going to come back on Tuesday. I'm busy on Monday. I'll come back on Tuesday and give you guys the entire lowdown. But the bottom line, and this is what I want you guys to hear, is that President Trump's enthusiasm for this nation has not waned a single bit. He is as committed to freedom today as he was when we elected him for the first time in 2016. And uh, I've got a lot of exciting things to talk to you guys about, so you'll want to come back next week and uh, hear all about it. But I want to thank you guys for your prayers A lot of things, big things are happening, and uh, we're going to keep you guys informed. Be sure and check out my podcast, America's Town Hall with Heidi St. John, if you're not already subscribed to that. And uh, also check out the Larry Elder Show, because I was on there last night. So if you're not familiar with Larry Elder, you need to be. Just Google Larry Elder and Uncle Tom's Cabin and his radio show. Uh, He's a fantastic patriot, and that was an excellent interview as well. So without further ado, I'm going to start part two of my recording with my wonderful friend, Linda Hobar. I love what you said about the separation of powers, because that's what separates the United States from many of these other nations. Because instead of placing authority in the hands of one person, like a king or even a, a, a group of people, the U.S. Constitution divides the power. So uh, the power is first divided between the national or the, the federal government, and then the state and local government under a system we know as federalism. And so this is a this was part of the brilliance of the founding fathers because at the federal level the constitution then again divides the power and then you wind up with your three major branches of the federal government legislative, executive and judicial. And those are in peril right now because we're we're watching what's happening in the judiciary with this idea of talking about packing the courts and all these things, then all of a sudden your powers then go to one. uh, This is why, you know, getting rid of the filibuster is such a terrible idea. And you can trace this back, you know, all of these, these, these things that you're talking about, they absolutely have everything to do with why we're struggling 
right now because we've come so far away from the Constitution. I want to back up a little bit farther even because when we were talking about this, we were asking about the early church. So I know a lot of folks assume that the early church practiced socialism. And in fact, we hear that today. Jesus was a socialist, right? Is that true? Well, actually, if you think about it, it's a bit of a misnomer and a myth. And and here's why. Because if you go back to our very first simple definition of socialism, which is the government ownership of the means of production, it doesn't fit that. What we are told instead is that the early church would bring all things in common, but really the Lord instructed that as an act of charity, and it was within the confines of the church. So yes, the Lord instructed them to share all things in common, but it was an act of charity. That is just not the same. Not coercion. It is not coercion, exactly. It it was not the government-owned means of production. So no, I think that's a bit of a, just a misleading well, and it, it seems to fit the narrative like so many other things. You know, you watch these these Christian universities and they're embracing socialist ideas and they're saying, hey, Jesus was socialist. And David said that the heart of man was wicked. You know, who can know the heart of man? So you cannot regulate the human heart. And this idea that the government can come in, the government can take the means of production, the government is what tells you, this is your job, this is how much food you get, this is your stipend, this is your little piece of land. But at the end of the day, it's all owned by the government. And really, that's where we're headed right now. And you've been talking about this for a long time. Socialism so dangerous. And the difference between democratic socialism and plain old regular socialism is just in a democratic you know, society, you voted in, which I think is just garbage. So many people think that Europe, I hear this all the time, practices socialism or the Nordic countries. So why is that? First of all, I want to know, is that true? And if it is, why is it and do they? Right. I think it's a myth in part because if you go back to the end of World War II, Clement Attlee, like at one time, tried to take England that direction. Like he socialized lots of things, like he nationalized industry and coal, but it was a great failure. I think the other reason we hear it is that a lot of European countries experimented with socialism, perhaps taking it as far as they could before they went bankrupt. And the only difference between what they were doing in some of these historic nations is that they they did not set up elaborate prison systems for it. But I do have to really hone in, though, on the Nordic nations, because I think that's what is most misleading. And according to Rand Paul, he would say, it's not socialism that explains Scandinavian success, but rather Sweden's turn away from socialism. So what he observed is that, again, they tried it and it wasn't going so well. He would also say that 90% of Scandinavia's combined wealth is, you ready? Drum roll, privately owned. All right, that's not socialism okay not even by our short definition but i do have one more great quote i would love to read you from denmark's prime minister so it's as if he could read our minds here in the united states so this this is lars rasmussen this is back in 2015 he would say and i quote i know that some people in the united states associate the nordic model again those scandinavian countries with some sort of socialism. Therefore, I would like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market, free market economy. So that's capitalism. Yes, yes. 
And he wanted us to know that because so many are attempting to hold that up as a model and it's just not. Now, other people will try to hold up Canada as a model, but right now it's a parliamentary democracy. Yes, they have a lot of heavy social programming and pay a lot of high taxes for that, but they're not by real definition practicing socialism. Well, and it seems to me, based on uh, what their crazy prime minister is doing, they're going to go straight from a, from, from a soft socialism to uh, communism pretty fast if they don't wake up. There's some trouble brewing there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my question is, what 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 should we do? You know, what is what's to be done? You know, I I I know that you and I probably would agree on this. I feel like the first thing we got to do is educate the rising generation about the true cost of socialism. And I'm not talking about just money, right? I mean, that's obviously a big part of it, but we need to start educating uh, the rising generation. Yes, absolutely. Well, there's three ways I feel we can prepare. One way is just preparing our minds, which is to study history. History is a great teacher. So yes, number one, we need to be studying the history again of these nations that have tampered with this high government control and regulation and see what that looks like. Because, you know, history teaches that free enterprise and free markets have lifted far more out of poverty. There's more to that story. But anyway, so mentally, yes, we need to prepare. Then I think spiritually we prepare by knowing God's word, knowing it well, because there is hope. I mean, the hope is that he will restore this earth with a new heaven and new earth one day. So put our hope in the right thing. And then... I'm drawing a blank on the other one, and I'm so embarrassed. What is it? Mental, social? Oh, physical. I know. That's the third one. I think we do some common sense measures, which is like I do store some supplies. We've seen a lot of broken lines and chains as of late. We saw what COVID did and just how, again, the production lines have been tampered with. They are going to be tampered with. So be smart, stock up on the things your family really needs as necessities. So yeah, so there's really three levels of preparation. And it's good to do all of them. Yeah, and good to do all of them. And if I may say just again about, I confess I straddle faith and fear all the time like everyone else because I do study world history. So sure, sometimes I look at it, I tend, you know, I can get fearful, but I tell you what, I can't stay in that fear because I've also walked with the Lord since I was 17 years old. I won't tell you my age now, but I'm much, I'm up there. And so I've known the Lord too long to stay in that fear. So my faith does propel me. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and let's go back to the disciples. You know, Jesus hung out here with his very best friends. He didn't even save those guys from the Romans because he said, listen, I've got more to do than just pull you out from under the Romans, right? I mean, the Lord gave them instructions to go and make disciples. And he said, listen, I'll, I'll take care of the, the end and the times and, and all that. That was um, that just comes right out of Acts. So I, I remind myself of that sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think we, you and I are living through something we had hoped to never see in this country. And uh, I don't have a degree in history like you do, but I have, I've been a student of history and it's kind of fascinated me my whole life. And one thing I've noticed that uh, I hear from these young socialists, they like to say that socialism has never failed. 
because it's never really been tried. But the truth is socialism has failed in every country where it's been tried. Is that right? From the Soviet Union to the People's Republic of China, uh, it's failed everywhere. And I don't see how we can expect something different here. Is it right to say, because I was talking to a young person the other day at a, at a, believe it or not, at a homeschool conference who said, well, we're just not doing socialism the right way. What do you say to that student? Oh, goodness. I think one of the things I would do is take them to the the look at Venezuela because Hugo Chavez kind of thought the same thing and he thought he could come up with a better way to take these ideas. So he came up with Bolivarian socialism, naming it after Simon Bolivar, great nationalist who like free South America of, you know, the, the Spanish rule. And so Chavez, what did he do? Well, that country, Venezuela, it was sitting on top of the world in oil and gold. And within years of him implementing this Bolivarian socialism, they are now like next to last on, I think, the economic index. And people are eating, you know, out of dumpsters and they've resorted to eating their pets because it's not working. He had nationalized so many things. He also took away private farmland and made it public. And he set up all these welfare missions. So yeah, let's look at Hugo Chavez, who thought too he could do it better. And the reason he thought he could do it better is because when he looked at Soviet and Chinese communism, he saw some flaws. In fact, the Chinese have turned away from some of the things they were doing. They've actually made private industry uh, more legal now than it used to be because it wasn't working there either. Anyway, back to history. History is the great teacher. Sorry, I can't stop on that. Well, history history is a great teacher. And, you know, we've all heard that those who don't study and know their history are destined to repeat it. And it seems in many in many ways, that's where we're headed right now. But I love that you are reminding people, our hope is not here. We don't live for this place. We Our hope is in a, in a city to come whose architect and builder is God. But while we're here, God has told us, remember, he, remember the instructions he gave to the Israelites in the middle of a Babylonian captivity. He said, you know, uh, be given in marriage. He said, uh, prosper, you know, um, have children and do righteousness. And that's really where we are right now. And it's really a challenging time to be to be an American, but we have a big challenge to tell the truth. And we need to start telling the, the whole truth about socialism, a pseudo-religion really is how I see it, you know, grounded in a pseudoscience and really pushed forward by political might. And we're at the jumping off place right now with the likes of, you know, Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all the students that I talk to around the country as I'm traveling who have been told that this is a good idea and they don't know who Mao is and they didn't understand the mindset of Karl Marx, who really was a wicked man at the, at the end of the day. Uh, this was no hero, and yet they're holding him up as a hero. Uh, I want to talk for just the last couple of minutes that we have uh, really about the mystery of history because there are a lot of people now listening to this who have never really studied history. It's one of those things where like, well, I guess we'll read, you know, a boring textbook. History is not boring. It's fascinating. And you've done an amazing job, you know, all these years, really making history come, come to life through the mystery of history. And I think it's something, even if you weren't homeschooling, goodness, you could read through this stuff in the evenings with your kids. You could study it as a family. It's probably more important now than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, we transitioned our series where we used to have, say, uh, uh, you know, the stories and curriculum all tied together. They're really in two pieces these days, which makes our student readers all the more easy to 
put on your coffee table and have in your library in the event you're not a homeschool family, but you're just a family that just wants to know history. So we have four volumes. The first is ancient. It very specifically weaves the Bible and world history together. The second is the early church and middle ages. The third is Renaissance Reformation. And the fourth is modern time. And it is the one that is so relevant and can be counted easily as a high school credit. And I tell you, it's volume four that has all those isms in it that our young people need to know. Socialism, communism, Nazism, totalitarianism, fascism. Our students desperately need to understand what those things are. And that's the contents of volume four. And really, uh, the question I'm, I'm going to get, and I think I'm just going to ask it to you, the parent who's like, I need to know the isms and I need to know them now. Can I start with, can I start with volume four and work my way back? Well, I do have a, a tip for those that maybe you're new to the mystery of history and you're like, yeah, I'd really like to be in the Renaissance right now, but I missed ancient and medieval. I just need to go here or there. Or maybe your co-op is in volume two, but you missed one. Here's one thing you can do. I personally narrate every one of my volumes. So we have audiobooks by MP3 download or CD in some cases. And you can just listen to history on a road trip. I write in a conversational style. I write like I'm sitting next to your student. The first book is only on a fourth, fifth grade reading level, but the whole family can enjoy it. And then they go up about two grades, every one after that. So in other words, the best way to cheat the system is to listen to audiobooks, to fly through the time period you don't have time to hover on. So maybe you want to listen to one, two, and three, call it summer school, and then maybe sit down as a family or with your students in volume four and go, you know, we're going to really go deep on this one. Because for example, all of quarter three in volume four is really World War One and World War Two, but we're going to get the biographies of Hitler, of Stalin, of Lenin, of Mao, and some others to see really how they rose to power, because I think that's absolutely what we've got to learn from history, is how did certain dictators get to where they were? So anyway, um, I'll, so I guess my one tip again, are audiobooks are a helpful way to skip through faster or just get it and go <laughs> With or without the, the textbook in your hand. And again, it's not really a textbook, it's a student reader. And I say that because um, a textbook is written by a committee and, and always has a certain I don't know, uh, political correctness to it. These are student readers. I love it. And actually for the parent, I think this is encouraging for parents. I'm always telling them, listen, you get a student book and you're not familiar with history like you would like to be, you're going to you're gonna be very glad that you're reading at a student level because you're going to learn together. And I think, man, it, it, it's so important because these are, these are very big issues. Socialism is... It is coming to the United States. It is already here in many ways. And if we don't start teaching our children why they need to stand against it, there's going to be some dark days ahead for this country. Because without exception, I keep thinking back, you know, uh, every leader, really, from Lenin to Castro, they said that they were going to initiate basic freedoms. They talked about free elections, a free press, free assembly, religious freedom. None of them fulfilled those promises. And we're looking possibly at a, at a world without freedom, without choice, without basic human rights. This is not what the millennials want if they understood it. And so it's our challenge to help them understand it. And I think we've got an obligation to this generation and to generations to come to make the case against socialism, which really a religion in, in, in and of itself that failed and a political system that I think is headed for the ash heap of history. When we look back, whether we implement it in the United States fully or hopefully, God willing, we don't, 
it will fail no matter what, no matter what we do, because it's never succeeded. It's a wicked form of government. And like I've been saying on the podcast forever, God in his word lays out the principles for a healthy government. And uh, God was a big fan, by the way, of private property. <laughs> it's so interesting. I was telling people, hey, read your Bible, you know, 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 know the Bible. And that's really what you were saying, those three ways to prepare, to study history, to know God's word. And then uh, to take some common sense measures, you know, if if the government messes with the means of production, which we, as you rightly pointed out, we've seen that happen in the Rona, be ready, you know, don't be caught off guard. So important. Where can people find you online? Sure. Go to themysteryofhistory.com. You don't want to leave out the, the, themysteryofhistory.com. Our website is full of resources for all ages. There's contact lines, helplines. I'm also on Facebook. You can find me under the Mystery of History. And are you done with the conference season? Do you have any more? Uh, we just wrapped up our last conference just about a week or two ago. Yeah, so we're off the road for right now. Lord willing, kicking back up in the spring. So like you, I travel maybe not quite as much as you, but yes, we get out there when, when we can. Absolutely. I always tell people, I feel like the, you know, people like you and I who've been traveling the homeschool circuit for years, we're kind of like carnies. We're like, we're like carnival, carnival buddies, you know? Yeah, we are. <laughs> See each other out on the road. And if we're, you know, lucky and not too tired, although I feel like as we're getting older, we're doing it less. We used to go out to dinner a lot, you know, when the, when the whole thing's over. Now when it's over, everyone's just like, Good sleep's night. <laughs> yeah. Sleep's more important than food on the road these days. Yeah, I know. It's really true. Well, Linda Hobar, you are a treasure. I so appreciate uh, your willingness to come on really on short notice and talk about uh, this this uh, idea really of socialism and why it's so important that we understand it. You've got, shed just a ton of great light onto it. I took a bunch of notes like I always do, and I can't wait to have you come back on again. I got a whole list of things I want to talk to you about. So let's do it again sometime soon. Yes, absolutely. And let your readers, I'm sorry, your listeners hear one more thing from me. And that is I teach online classes too. So if this has just, uh, if you feel like your kindred spirit with me and would like to hear a little bit more about world history, I'm teaching my volumes three and four online details on the website. Mm -hmm. And they can find that out online at the mystery of Correct? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi, and God bless you this week and the weeks to come. Thank you, my friend. I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate you guys listening today. If you want more information about Linda Hobar and the Mystery of History again, that website is themysteryofhistory.com. I will link back to all things Mystery of History in the show notes today. In the meantime, you guys, take charge of your child's education. Educate yourself. We have to understand what's going on so that we can talk about it and make wise and right decisions for our nation and for our families. Thanks for listening today, everybody, and I will see you back here on Monday at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.